Back, you demons! Back! Get off me! Demons! No! Whoa! Alright, okay, I've, I've emerged into, into the, uh, the human realm. I've passed through the portal from hell. Now I need to close it back up. Let me get out my giant needle and thread and sew up the opening. That's what it sounds like when I sew. Oh my god. Oh. Sorry about that, guys. I'm so sorry this episode was late. I was trapped in a hell of my own design. I got very sick. Uh, all of last week, I had like a terrible... I'm going to call it the flu. I had a fever. I couldn't keep food down. I watched Deadpool 2. I, I, I got oh, to talk about that because my apology for this week is that I kind of loved Deadpool 2. <laughs> wait, wait. Did I love it? God, that movie. I, I feel so conflicted about that movie. I, well, yeah, obviously, but I no, the word isn't loved. I was pleasantly surprised. I think there are some ways in which Deadpool 2 kind of figured out its levels. I would argue Deadpool 2 might not be toxic media. Like, there is, I mean, spoil, like, I'm gonna spoil, I'll spoil one thing for you, because I, I really don't know how I feel about this. But, um, there's a scene in Deadpool 2, oh, sorry, I was sick for a week, I couldn't record my podcast, uh, I tried to record it several times. Turns out recording a podcast alone is a physical feat. It requires stamina, stamina that I, up till this point, did not have. I am currently in my place of employ. It is after hours. I am uh, recording against the, you know, there's a big sign right next to me that says, no recording podcasts, but Alejandro Collini lives on the edge. He's a man of his own uh, design. What? <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, but what was I? Oh, so yeah, I, I gotta say like eight million things at once. I don't know if you can hear the weird like hissing sounds and shit. Like the the place where I am has an uh, a large air conditioning system that is. I turned it off, but it's kind of always on. So if if uh, I don't know, maybe this will be a throwback to episode one. You remember my saw saw one episode where I was constantly nudging the computer and it was nearly unlistenable. This is a vintage, a throwback, if you will, um, to the era of Toxic Podcast where I still thought I was going to do all eight Saw movies consecutively. Um, uh, where was I? Deadpool 2. This is my podcast that I host alone. Wouldn't wish it on anyone else where I consume and process toxic media. Toxic media, definition I came up with myself. That's any form of content that regardless of quality is genuinely emotionally exhausting or taxing to consume. Deadpool 2... God, it has so many issues. This is not my Deadpool 2 episode. I gotta say, this is not... I did not want to do an episode about Deadpool 2, especially because next month, September, is my birthday month. It's Alejandro Collini month. And I am going... It is going to be a very... You, I'm twirling my mustache right now. You can't see I'm twirling it. It is going to be quite a self-indulgent month, if you catch my drift. Uh, we will be... Uh, addressing Batman versus Superman, probably ar- arguably my favorite movie and the quintessential toxic media artifact. Like it's, it's kind of my template for toxic media. And again, like I, I said this last week about like my big highfalutin self-indulgent plans. Like I, I was kind of thinking I was going to do all four episodes in September. were going to be Batman versus Superman. That sounds monstrous. And I'm not sure I can do that to you guys. All, all 25 of you, you deserve better, but, um, 
So Dead, so Deadpool two, and I again maybe I would have liked it less if I hadn't watched it in three installments. I watched like I watched like forty minutes of it. I watched thirty minutes of it. I watched forty minutes of it. You know, uh, there's a part where he puts together, and you saw this in the trailers. Deadpool assembles the X Force, and oh my god, I'm so sorry. Ah, oh, fuck, I'm so I'm so sorry that I have to do this. I'm a comic book nerd. You you guys know this of me, but what you might not know is that I inhaled like, 40 years worth of comics uh, completely legally over the course of the last couple of years. So I, like, I, I've i read X-Force. I loved X-Force. It's got, it's got that, like, crazy 90s style where the dudes are just, like, completely blown out. They're these insane, like, muscle, like, this is an old joke, but, like, you have no idea how they wipe their ass. And, like, all, all the women are, like, these sort of, uh, angular, hypersexualized, like hair down to their knees. It's it's such a weird. I mean, it's not it's not weird. It's kind of it's arguably toxic. It's a toxic artwork style. But um, X Force is a comic book series from the '90s. It is a real comic book series. There are characters in it. There are storylines. That's a stupid thing for me to say, but I just want to point out in Deadpool two, he assembles the X Force. And it's, oh, I hate, oh, God. Ugh, he has, like, a, I'm not even going to do this, but he assembles X-Force, and, like, a bunch of actual members of X-Force are, like, present. Like, what is what is his name? Shatterstar is there. Um, there's some other guys whose names I don't remember. But they get assembled. You see it in the trailer, like, oh, X-Force. And the implication is, like, oh, X-Force is going to be in this movie. And then everyone in X-Force except for Deadpool and Domino dies they all there's this scene where they jump out of a plane and it's unprecedentedly windy and one of them gets blown into a helicopter's um uh 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 fuck what what are what's on top of a, a rotor yeah one of them gets pulled into a helicopter's rotor and one of them falls into like a wood chipper and i they just all die in one five minute sequence and it is. I'm so conflicted about it because, on the one hand, it feels like something that I would immediately. I recently I got a stamp that says toxic, and I a little pad of ink, and I I hit the stamp on the pad, and then I stamp things on the forehead. Toxic. Um, it really feels like it would get my toxic stamp. But there's. I I don't know. I maybe I'm becoming a softy in my old age, but. Um, I just couldn't be that mad. I, there's something about the way it, the movie played it, like almost worked for me as a joke. Like I kind of was, I don't know. I mean, you, you and I both know, I mean, we have a very tense working relationship, but at the very least you understand this is a subjective, uh, realm, (laughs) a subjective realm. All right. All right. All right. It's been long enough. It's been long enough. I gotta, I gotta get to get focused and I got to talk about what I'm talking about this week, which is Joey. It's the Friends spinoff, Joey. And uh, oh boy, oh boy. I love Joey. I love it. You, you know me. I eat nails for breakfast. I drink nails for dinner. I, <laughs> I have seen um, the entire first season of Joey. The second season of Joey was harder to find at the time that I was invested in this. I, I like... I think this was like five or six years ago when I watched Joey and it was before it was quite so easy to find everything online. But, um, 
Oh, legally, legally. I've, I've totally paid for, I bought it on DVD. I bought Joey on DVD. I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> but, um, excuse me. <coughs> wow. What other podcast? You get to hear me cough up phlegm. You get to hear me Google things. You get to hear me cough up phlegm. You get to hear me digress for seemingly infinite periods of time. Um, but Joey is, uh, let's, let's just, let's calm down. Let's take a breath. Um, and, and start, let's begin at the beginning. So friends, iconic, great show. Um, I'm a big friends fan. Uh, I did not watch it when it was on. I was a very conscious contrarian. I remember that I was in elementary and middle school at the time and everyone around me would, would talk about friends and they would talk about like Ross and Rachel and they would sing the smelly cat song and they would say, how you doing? And I hated it so much. It just seemed so stupid. And, and, um, being a contrarian is it's, I don't, I hate when people fundamentally invalidate it. When people are like, I think I've said this because I was shit talking the Beatles in, in an earlier episode. Like, there's this attitude of like, oh, you don't like Star Wars, so I guess you don't like fun. I guess you just like saying that you dislike things. I guess it's fun to dislike and and that's not fundamentally wrong, but it just is such a bad faith interpretation of an impulse that in many cases comes from a place of fear. Like it's not inherently it's not like a good thing to always be a contrarian to be like, oh, everyone loves friends, so I hate it. But like, um, the, I, and, and just this is me speaking as myself, like, I think the reason I developed a lot of that sort of like almost emotional armor is that I felt very alone and that I felt like I, I, I was alienated from people and hearing them talk about this thing that I wasn't involved with it somehow didn't motivate, it didn't make me think, oh, I want to experience this, I want to fit in. It made me um, defensively be like, oh, these people like this because they're stupid, they're different from me, they hate me, I hate them, I hate friends, fuck Smelly Cat. I will say also, like, when a show becomes, and this is true of even the best shows, uh, and I, I think we, no, I'll, I'll back off from from that for now but um fans suck fans really suck uh committed fans are the fucking worst they are arguably the worst emissaries for good art they walk around parroting catchphrases and just yammering about shit and it kind of seemed to me as though the show friends consisted of a series of stupid catchphrases and also like i i i did kind of grow into just being able to like stupid things like friends is a stupid show. It's, um, it's a very basic sitcom. It follows very basic rules. It is incredibly joke dense. I will say it's second, maybe it's second only to the Simpsons in terms of its, uh, joke density, uh, among nineties sitcoms, maybe 30 rock has more jokes, but, um, friends, like it, it really does feel like every line, every other line might, is a joke. Uh, I got into friends after college, literally like I decided because I embarked on this cause I'm a bullshit. I'm full of shit. And, uh, <laughs> I decided I wanted to like educate myself about like all the important stuff and like media and, and, um, 
you know, if I want to be a successful comedian and write for TV, then obviously I need to watch one of the most important sitcoms ever. And I have since grown to love Friends. It has a lot of flaws. It's very problematic. But I would say that I have watched the entirety of Friends probably once or twice all the way through. I've seen a lot of episodes of Friends four or five times. I think that there are um, some episodes of Friends are arguably like perfect sitcom episodes. There's one that I can summon offhand where Ross is trying to get everyone to get ready to go to his Natural History Museum event. It's like a gala or something. And Rachel can't decide what to wear. And Monica has... um, She's not, she's just broken up with Burt Reynolds and she's um, worried. There's like phone drama and Joey and Chandler, they're, they're arguing over a seat. And it, that's the one where Joey puts on every article of clothing that Chandler owns. That's very funny. Um, so Friends, great show. Friends ends and it's 2004. And I, again, this is not a research podcast. I did not look into this. I don't know exactly why Joey is the guy who ended up with the show. Uh, I can only assume he was not the first choice. If I, like, let me see. If I were um, the head of NBC, Norman Beacon Carlisle, the head of NBC... And I was trying to decide who goes on. I would it be a Ross and Rachel because your because your center for your sitcom can't be like Joey can't Joey can't be the center of your sitcom. He's a peripheral character. He and Phoebe they're the wild cards on your sh- like the energy of Friends is perfect because there's six characters. And they're all psychopaths, but they all have various qualities, like, divided amongst them. And and Joey and Phoebe aren't real. They are fully... Phoebe way more. Phoebe, I'm I'm in love with Phoebe. Phoebe is an incredible character. Um, Everything she says is funny. Everything she says is worthwhile. Except Smelly Cat. Except except all that music. All the the music with Phoebe. I just... And, And those episodes where, like... Her, where there's some there's someone else playing songs at the cafe and Phoebe's jealous. Fuck that. I want to hear about Phoebe living on the streets. I want to hear about that episode where it turns out that Phoebe mugged Ross when they were kids, which community, oh my God, community cribs so much from friends. I like, for, you know, for, for a guy who is also such a like, kind of like snob about TV, like uh, Dan, Dan Harmon, that guy like lifted entire friends episodes and just did them on community but that's fine that it's perfectly fine i don't I, i'm not i'm not whatever um but i maybe it would have been ross and rachel i think ah, but they're yeah cuz they're not funny ross and rachel are not they, they have funny lines but they're not funny characters monica oh my god monica is so funny Chandler's is fine, and obviously, I have. I must admit, I am a Chandler. You know, everyone who's watched a good deal of Friends knows who they are, and it's not. It's I. I, w- I would argue it's never fun. Like, there's no friend that it's cool to be. Nobody wants to be any of those people. If I am any of them, I'm. You know, Chandler with like Ross rising. <laughs> if we're gonna use astrology terms, but. When the show ended, NBC was like, well, this is an incredibly lucrative 
thing for us. We don't want it to just end. We want to make another show. And yeah, well, I guess because because Ross and Rachel theoretically end up together, you don't see what happens. I mean, they're fucking toxic. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they immediately get like rebroken up, but. Chandler and Monica, so those would have all been couple shows, and that would have been a lot of money. Um, because I can only assume that Friends, by the end, had one of those contracts where they were all making, like, 500k an episode or whatever. Um, so it's got to be an individual, so that leaves you, either you write out a couple, like, either you write one of them out, and, like, it's like, Chandler! And, and the first episode is, like, Chandler explaining where Monica went. Or it's got to be Phoebe or Joey. Um, oh God, I'm, this is so much conjecture. I'm sure I could have looked this up, but um, I'm a piece of shit. Um, and so it, it fell to Joey. It fell to Matt LeBlanc to, to head west to L.A. and start his own sitcom. Now, Joey episode one... Joey, I just... It is... And I... I, I just want to keep present, excuse me, for this entire conversation, we need to keep Frasier in our minds. Because Frasier is an example of a spinoff that not only works, but absolutely fucking destroys its predecessor. I might ruffle some feathers with this. Cheers is, an, Cheers is a bad show. Cheers is bad. It's bad. Cheers is a bad sitcom. It's not funny. It's bad. It's a bad show. Frasier is the best sitcom of the 90s. Frasier is the best sitcom of the 2000s. Is Frasier the best show that's ever been? Oh my God! I can't believe this. How, it took me so long to realize. Oh God, excuse me. Frasier's the best show that's ever been on television. I'm sorry. I know you love your Breaking Bads, your, uh, your true detectives. It's, it's all about Frasier. But Frasier is a spinoff that works, and I couldn't tell you why they chose Frasier out of that cast. Again, I'm sure there's, like, cast politics. I don't think it's just, like, a storytelling choice. But let's keep Frasier in mind. Joey is the loneliest show. It is the loneliest show I have ever seen. Everything about it is a cry for, for help, for companionship. It's just, like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna cue up also the song. The opening theme of Joey is so emblematic of what I'm talking about. Oh my God, phone! My phone, my phone is being uh, lovely. All right, okay. You get to hear me complain about my phone. Am I not going to be able to? Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the very first scene in Joey is he gets out of the airport and he gets into a cab and uh, he's like, hey, like, I don't know what he says to the driver, but he's like, the driver starts driving and he's got this little exchange with um, the uh, with the cab driver where he's like, oh, sorry, I sorry, I had to get a cab. My sister was supposed to pick me up at the airport. You know, she's a little uh, not all there. And the. I would assume it's a live studio audience. Maybe, oh, no, it's probably a sit, it's probably like a laugh track, but there's this very canned sort of like, ha, 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 because we know who Joey is. 
every, no one who is watching Joey started on Joey, right? So you always got to remember, like, there's, you know, I wrote my thesis on reader response theory, which is the, um, the idea, forgive me if I've said this before, that the reader is actually the creator of a text because words on a page are just words, they're symbols, and you put them into your head and then you imagine the pictures. So as a viewer of Joey, you, like the reader slash viewer, are assumed to know who Joey is already. There's no like, hey, I'm introducing you to a character. You know that Joey's dumb. You know that for him to call his sister dumb is funny because he's dumb. So, uh, he's talking to the cab driver, he's going to back and forth, he's like, oh yeah, you know, it's kind of scary, but if you want to make it as an actor, you have to move to Hollywood, and the cab driver goes, well, so what are you doing here in Dallas? And Joey's like, oh, I guess I did have a layover in Dallas, and he goes back to the airport. And then, there is the opening credit theme, and I am going to play it in its entirety right now. Because I think it's, I think it's just so important. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Everything's gonna be all right, all right, y'all. It's all right, y'all. You wanna be all right? You gotta walk tall. So if you notice, every single line in this song is. It's going to be all right. There is not like this show. It's what's toxic about it. It's, it's not just a bad show. It's a very bad show. Um, but it is so scared. You can feel the fear of the show. It knows that it's not working. And it's the first episode. It's like second 45. I do not know who made that decision to be like, yeah, let's have the opening theme of Joey a repetitious, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, it sounds like me having a panic attack last week. You're okay, you're okay, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. You want to be okay? You just got to be okay. Like, I, I, I cannot believe, I can't believe it, I can't believe it, What? like, th- that's not an optimistic song. You know, like, friends, so no one told you life was gonna be this way. You know, it conveys that you're in your 20s, and uh, this is, everyone can identify, like, literally, I am about to turn 28, my job's a joke, I'm broke, my love life is, I mean, no, my love, I'm in a uh, relationship with someone who makes me very happy, who I care very deeply about, who is very supportive and lovely, but, um... It does feel like I'm always stuck in second gear. It hasn't been my day, my month, or even my year. This song is just like, it's going to be all right. I'm sure it'll, it's, I think it'll be okay. I think, oh, it's, I, I cannot get over, I cannot get over that decision. So I watched the first three episodes of Joey and, and we're just going to, we're just going to run r- really, really quickly. We're just going to run through them because I think I, I'm, I'm already taking too much time on this. And uh, (laughs) so Joey, (coughs) excuse me, Joey finally arrives in Los Angeles and he meets his sister, Gina, which, so again, let's, let's use the Frasier template. Your character is a very recognizable, iconic, well-known character from a different show who needs to be surrounded by entirely new people. So in Frasier, 
And again, I haven't seen Cheers. I've only seen a few episodes of Cheers, a terrible show, really abysmal sitcom, just the worst. And I don't know if Frasier like mentions that he's estranged from his dad. I don't know if he mentions his brother. I don't know any of that. Joey, like there's a fucking episode of Friends where we meet Joey's sisters and we meet like all of them. But this is like a new sister. They just sort of like, they're just like, yeah, and also Gina. And Gina, Gina as well. Um, so Gina shows up. She meets Joey at the airport. They hug. And he goes, oh, you look different. And she goes, yeah. And she unzips like her sweatshirt and kind of pushes up her breasts. And she goes, you like them? They're new. This is our introduction to the character of Gina. Um, the uh, Gina, Gina is... I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I almost feel like the pilot of Joey is its suicide note. Like these characters that get introduced, they're like, they're so, they're very thin and they're, you know, they're, they're also archetypes that are, that are very dated. We, I, I'm, again, I'm not a comedy scholar, but when you watch Joey, you really, a lot of the jokes are dated. They are. I, I, you know, problematic. They're, they're kind of shitty. The Gina is not treated well by the show, Joey. Uh, but, but, but I, you know, again, I'm, I'm always doing this. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll continue. Um, in the first episode of Joey, there's a lot of really good jokes. Uh, and maybe they're bad jokes, but like, Joey's like, oh my god! Like, I came out here to to uh, do, I, I've already got work on two TV shows. My agent is a shark, and that means she's a good agent, not an actual shark. I love that. I love that he kind of thought his agent was an actual shark. That is so funny. Um, so they drive to Joey's apartment complex, which is theoretically like these are going to be the common spaces, right? So there's one. Um, Sort of inter- and it actually like I've been to LA. This is how apartment complexes are laid out: is there's like this open air courtyard, and there's like a hot tub in the center. And well, I don't mean like they all have hot tubs, but a lot of LA apartment complexes aren't one building per se. They're like this big sort of like it almost looks like a motel or like a strip mall of apartments behind like a gate, and you go into the courtyard. And so that's one like main social area, and then there's Joey's apartment. Um, there is, oh, there's a Chandler gay joke. You remember, uh, how, um, during all of friends, there were people assuming that Joey and Chandler were gay and they were like, Oh no, it's, we're not gay. Um, God, sorry for doing that voice. I, I'm, uh, but like, I, they they just like, they gotta, they gotta remind you of that. They're, They're like, Gina's like, Oh my God, you and Chandler were such a cute couple. And he's like, for the last time, Chandler and I aren't gay. And the studio audience just roars. Um, next we meet Michael. Uh, so Gina, Joey's sister had Michael when she was 16, but she told Michael that she had him when she was 22. I don't want to, I don't want him to think his mother is a tramp. And I think Joey is like, Oh, really? The boobs weren't it. Like he says something very, you know, snarky and not respectful. Um, Michael is a genius. He is a rocket scientist. He's he's uh, uh, twenty years old. He still lives with his mom, and um, 
He's all, oh yeah, he wants to move in with Joey. Like, as soon as he and Joey are alone, he's like, I gotta move out. Everyone makes fun of me. And, like, you know, it's not like they're cool kids. Like, I go to a science school. Like, that, you know, engineers make fun of me. Um, so you can, you can feel the pilot working real hard at doing pilot stuff. Like, you're, it's just, you're introducing characters. You're showing us their relationships. You're showing us their, their, uh, qualities and their tensions. Um, we meet Alex. Alex is a very pretty blonde woman who also lives in the apartment complex. They share like a, they have a like co backyard and you know how Joey is like a ladies man in the, like he's like a ladies man savant almost in the show. Uh, friends in this show, he spends this whole fucking season just like pining over Alex. Well, I guess that's consistent with like how in season, whatever, six or seven of friends, he kind of pines over Rachel. It's like, the character, and and again, Frasier, I don't know how much the character changed, like how in control or not in control, but it's just, it's so weird to see Joey in these positions. So Alex is a lawyer who lives in the building, and uh, she she goes, oh, wait, were you, on, were you on Days of Our Lives? And he goes, ah, you finally recognized me. Oh, I'm wearing my Days of Our Lives shirt, aren't I? That's very funny. Um... The entire show does kind of feel like only the Joey scenes of Friends. They're also, all the scenes are like 55 seconds. Like, every scene is just like, whoop, whoop. Like, you're just zipping along. It's kind of like, I mean, BV, we'll talk about BVS maybe next week, maybe for the next four weeks. But um, BVS, DOJ, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, has that same thing where, like, all the scenes are just really short. Uh, so he... Immediately, he, there's like he spends one day on set, kind of shooting his cop show, and then he discovers that his show has been canceled. Um, so again, it feels like a weird anat. Like he, there's this line where he goes, "Like, how did I go from having two shows to having nothing?" And it's just so hard not to feel like the pilot of Joey is also about Matt LeBlanc not having prospects outside of continuing to be Joey, because I'd also. Um, I live with two incredible comedians, Rylan Duncan and Dave Lukashak, who celebrate a yearly holiday that they call LeBlancmas. Around about Christmas time, they celebrate LeBlancmas, and it was my first LeBlancmas last year. They got me a lovely, a wonderful gift. Um, it really, it was touching, and we, on LeBlancmas, the, one of the traditions is that you watch one of Matt LeBlanc's movies. Matt LeBlanc has been in some of the worst movies that have ever been made. Uh, he was in Lost in Space. He was in Ed, that chimp baseball movie. Uh, I think, well, I, at this time, I remember people talking about, like, The Friend's Curse. The Friend's Curse is is real for Matt Le- I mean, Episodes is very good, I think. I've seen, like, the first season of Episodes. But also, like, Episodes is kind of, uh, it's... It's not a rip-off, but it cribs a lot from Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it has that weird thing where uh, an iconic actor can only play the actor. Like, you can't, you can't disappear into another role. Um, unless, I mean, unless you're Ross playing Robert Kardashian. <laughs> but, uh, okay, let's keep moving through the, 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 the show. So he... Comes home that day, he finds Michael cooking him spaghetti and meatballs, and there's, 
there should be so much more Italian food in this show. Like, I, I would love if in every scene of Joey he was just eating a big lasagna. Like, I love watching Joey eat fucking spaghetti and meatballs. And he's got – it's actually very funny, the setup. Like, Michael gave him one plate covered in spaghetti and meatballs and a tiny bowl of bread and one glass of wine. Just, like, one table setting there. Um, so – Michael wants to move in with Joey and Joey's like, no, you can't move in with me. But then he tastes the food and he's like, holy shit, you absolutely can move in with me. So then we cut to the next scene. Joey goes and sees his agent, Jennifer Coolidge, who is one of the greatest comedic actors of the last 20 years. Jennifer Coolidge is fundamentally underrated. She is amazing in everything she does. She's often in shit like this. She's often underserved as a character. She, she's often ill-treated by films or TV shows, and she just always brings the fucking heat. She's just as great in this. Uh, she's got this line where she goes, there's nothing I wouldn't do for you. I would throw on a meat skirt and wrestle a lion. I would pull off my ears and eat them. I love that. Pull off your ears and eat them. Um, so Joey, he, in order to be on his cop show that got canceled, he turned down a show called Nurses, and there's this really good bit in the first episode where Nurses is the fucking biggest thing ever. Uh, which I, I just love how, how, how huge Nurses is. Um, but so the agent realizes that he's got to wait for the next TV cycle, but Joey can't wait till the next year. So he agrees into like, he's going to look into like uh, hosting an entertainment news show. Um, so uh, Gina comes over to do his hair for the audition for the news show. And she's very distracted because Michael just told uh, her that she, that he's moving out. And Joey's like, oh, did he tell you who uh, he's moving in with. And she's like, no. Uh, oh God, there's this, there's also an amazing line in this pilot where she's a hairdresser and she says to Joey, I only started doing hair because channel five exposed me as the Southland's most dangerous dental technician. And Joey goes, that was some damning footage. So Gina, like, and again, I watched three episodes of Joey and Gina has one note, which is she feels lost at the prospect of her son moving on. Like, her son is the thing that she is most proud of in her life, and she has, like, a weird relationship. Oh, my God, there's so much, like, weird. I wish they went a little further with the incest. I, um, Kalini heads will know I'm a huge fan of incest. <laughs> I love it. I love anytime two characters who are related can fuck. I'm a happy Kalini. Get, go, go for it, guys. But, um, <laughs> so Michael shows up and she's like out of the room and Michael comes in and is like, oh my God, I told my mom I'm moving in with you. And she got mad. And then the mom, Gina walks back in and is like, oh, I, I, she, you know, she finds out she storms out. So Joey is underprepared for his audition. He hasn't gotten his hair cut. He tanks the audition. There's a beautiful, like, slapsticky scene where he's got to look at the correct camera and he can't, he's turning to the wrong camera. And um, the, uh, oh, God, yeah, he's got a teleprompter and he says, Welcome to Hollywood Minute. I'm name. But um, later that night, he gets home. He has a little exchange with Alex. He finally asks her on a date and she's like, No, sorry, I got to pick up my husband. Oh, you didn't realize I'm married? And uh, he goes, well, I saw the ring, but it's on your right hand. And she goes, no, it's on my left hand. It's not, not bad. But he, he goes inside. Michael's in there. And uh, Michael's like, hey, I decided I'm not going to move in with you. And Joey's like, what? Gina must have pressured you into this. She's crazy. And Gina shows up. Here's him saying it. Um, 
So Michael and Gina are about to leave. And Joey says, I know he's your baby, but it's time to move on. Change can be good. And Gina says, oh, that's easy for you to say. And Joey gives a monologue that is Matt LeBlanc's pretty, like, Joey says, no, it's not easy for me to say. No, look, nobody understands wanting things to say the same like I do. I was happy in New York, and I tried really hard to keep things from changing. But everyone else got married and had kids and moved on. They all changed. So I'm giving change a shot, and it has been hard. Hoping things stay the same, it doesn't work. That is, this is the loneliest show on television. And I gotta tell you, honestly, I'm not, I can't, I can't go through the next two episodes. I can't do this. The show disintegrates. It disintegrates. The first episode has 19 million viewers. The second episode has 16 million viewers. And the third episode has 14 million viewers. And it goes down and down and down. By the end of the season, Joey has 7 million viewers per episode. I have never seen, like, I guess, you know, ratings aren't aren't the same anymore. But, like, I cannot, the show hemorrhages it, uh, its viewers. Um, and Joey just hangs around. He's unemployed. He doesn't have friends. He his his supporting cast is Alex, his friend from the apartment, Gina, his sister, and Michael, his uh, nephew. Like those are the three main characters, other than Joey and Niles Daffley and excuse me, I'm sorry, Niles Daphne and Martin. They are not. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a ledge and say that this is a terrible episode of Toxic Podcast. I just, I just had to get it out there. I gotta, I, I'm sorry. I know the least charismatic thing about my podcast is when I shit on my podcast, but I, I, I just, I just wanted to, I need to get on a podcast network guys. I need to, I need to, I need to get, I need to get in a studio. I'm sorry. Hang on. Uh, come in. Come in. Hey! It's me, Joey! Wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Joey Tribbiani! Uh, that's your, your Joey Tribbiani? Yeah, it's me, Joey Tribbiani! I heard you were doing a podcast episode about my show, Joey, and I just wanted to come by and, and say hello, and, uh, you know, how you doing? Joey, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't, I'm not really buying this. I'm not, uh, this isn't a great, you, you just sound like, like me, frankly. You don't, you're not doing a good Joey trivia. All right, fine, fine. Alejandro Collini. It's me, Tobin Bell, the jigsaw killer. Sorry, I pretended to be Joey. I just, I, I'm, I I love what you're doing. (laughs) And I think. You, you just gotta really knuckle down and record these episodes, plan them out. Don't do them like this. Don't don't record in your place of employ in the middle of the night. It's a it's a disaster. This this episode was a disaster. Are you really gonna post this? You're gonna post this? Okay. Well, Alejandro Collini, I want to play a game. September is Alejandro Collini month. Every episode of Toxic Podcast that you release in September has to be incredible. And if it isn't, 
I'm going to rip your face off. I'm going to put you in the reverse bear trap. I'm going to rip your face off. Are we clear? I know that my, I haven't been quite as present. I haven't been, what? Excuse me. Hang on. Hang on one second. Hey, it's me, Joey. What? What are you? Yeah, Joey Tribbiani. I heard it. I heard you were doing a podcast. I'm sorry. It's me. uh, Michael Shannon. Sorry about doing the, oh, hello, Jigsaw. Hey, Michael. How's how's it going? Ah. Eh, you know, eh. Uh, I agree. I totally agree. Late summer, August, am I right? Yeah, I'm, I'm also not too much of a fan of August, but um, I understand you were doing a podcast episode trying to catch up because you were late on, uh, on, your, on your, uh, your Joey episode, and now everything's kind of fallen to shit. You're getting your life threatened, and I, I support you. You know, I'm, I'm always supportive. I'm, I care. Hang, hang on uh, one second. I... I'm such a good improviser that I anticipate there being someone at the door. Oh, I, I'm Tobin Bell, the Jigsaw Killer. I also anticipate there being someone at the... <sighs> okay, come in, come in, come in. Hello, it's uh, me, Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg. I can't tell you how offended that I am. You haven't mentioned me once. Not since the Social Network episode. You assassinated my character, you humiliated me, and then what? I'm chopped liver? I'm gone? I'm just, uh, well, this is a, oh, uh, Jigsaw, Michael Shannon, nice to meet you guys. Uh, good, good to meet you too. Good to meet you too. Uh, well, it looks like all of my characters are in one place, and now, fucking Hell. No one, no one told me. No one told me life was going to be this way, guys. My next episode's going to be great. I swear my next episode's going to be great. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's going to be Well, it better be. Uh, oh, oh, uh, 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 uh. Fine. Take care of yourselves.